0: In developing your writing practice, you need to be persistent, but also be kind to yourself. It doesn't need to just be at the typewriter, frantically, freaking out. Be generous with how you define your writing practice.
1: Welcome to Let It Out, a podcast hosted by me, Katie Dalebout. In honor of the Write Kit launching, I wanted to do a themed episode on writing with my friend who I met in the most kismet way, which you'll hear at length in this conversation. But it's a fun conversation about writing, but it's really just a mechanism for us to discuss routines and emotions and friendship and creativity. The latest kit from Let It Out. And if you're new here, I have been making these Let It Out kits, which are self-study, personal growing classes, workshops, digital zines, communities, whatever you want to call them. They're really robust courses really at their core. And the latest one is the most requested one I've ever gotten. And it's about writing, writing for both emotional wellness, journaling, and writing to share. I'm unsure how I'm feeling until I start writing. It slows me down enough to notice my emotions. And for nearly a decade now, writing for myself without the intention of anyone reading it, journaling, has been my most consistent self-care routine. And what I love about journaling is that it's free. You can do it anywhere at any time. And it's something that I started doing on a whim in about 2012 (laughs) when I was 21. And no one recommended it to me. I just intuitively started writing down my real thoughts and emotions and Eventually, I found it cathartic and I began recommending it to other people, prescribing prompts for specific situations they were coming to me with. And some of you may know that in 2016, I ended up publishing an entire book about journaling, which is where the title of this podcast comes from. It's called Let It Out. And since then, I've led journaling workshops everywhere from Berlin to the Berkshires and Karpalu and California and... There's a high school in Florida that I teach a journaling workshop to twice a year. It's my favorite thing to do, really. And when quarantine began, I canceled several of these in-person workshops. And as I was removing them from my calendar, I thought about how journaling is a solo practice that could be incredibly useful right now. Meaning in the midst of the pandemic, many of us are processing and reflecting. And this is a heavy solitude situation, quarantine. (laughs) So journaling might be perfect for right now. And I wanted to make something to help us right (laughs) now. That wasn't planned, but that was really great. And it's called The Write Kit. I've been working on it for months. It's kind of been my quarantine project. And if you struggle with sticking to a routine or feel stuck in your practice, this of journaling, either way, this will support you. If you've never journaled before, this is a great place to start. Although I would do my free journaling 101 workshop, which I will link to as well. And it will give you a community around writing, which I think is really important. So there's all these different chapters. I start out with internal journaling, personal journaling, external journaling, which is experiential, on the go, relational relationship oriented there's productivity and organizational journaling journaling and expressive writing for creativity, esoteric journaling, that's like dreams, expectations, beliefs, goals, manifestation, that sort of thing. And then journaling for joy and gratitude. And then DIY journaling. I set you up with how to create your own prompts and and do this for yourself without me. And then there's a bonus chapter on sharing your writing, including pitching and publishing and rejection, editing. And that's where today's guest comes in, Leah. She teaches a class within the Write Kit In today's interview, you'll hear us speak about that, and it's a real compliment to that part of the right kit. So you'll hear more about that when I get to the actual base of today's episode, but I just wanted to share about the Right Kit because I'm really excited about it. It's really accessible. If you're listening to this, you can use the code SUMMER for an additional discount, but the class is really robust and it's $55 and a percentage of those proceeds goes to the Loveland Foundation, which you know we've been supporting as a Let It Out community. And BIPOC, Black Indigenous People of Color, join for free. So just email me and I'll, I'll get you in or feel free to share that with your friends. I'd love to have you guys in the kit. And I am so grateful that you're listening. A little bit more about today's guest, Leah Clancy. She's a multidisciplinary artist, writer, a creative consultant based here in L.A., She grew up in Buffalo, New York, and completed her bachelor's in English and American Literature at NYU, lived in New York for a while, and then she came out to California, and she has an MFA. She went to grad school at CalArts in creative writing, which you'll hear more about in today's interview. Her poetry and essays have appeared in Peach Magazine, Funhouse Magazine more places. She co-founded Potluck Magazine and Middle Yard. And I never usually read people's bio, but I really wanted you to know just how prolific Leah is. She's so humble in this episode that I wanted to read off those credentials very clearly for you. And then I also want to read something that Leah wrote about her work that articulates it so well. It's so beautiful. She's a creative consultant, like I said, and she's passionate about helping other artists and intellectuals identify their own passions, crafting their voice to better communicate with their audience. And she's done this for me. I can fully attest to it. Her dedication and care for people's projects is unmatched. She's currently helping me work on an essay that I've been writing these last couple of weeks. And her edits and the way that she applies herself to helping me with my project and her genuine care is like nothing I've ever experienced before. And so here's what she wrote about her own work. My creative work lies at the intersection of image and text, integrating illustration and my personal writing to play with the plasticity of familiar language and create something new. In my own poetry and prose, I use unstructured and conversational language, unapologetically personal details, themes of realistic femininity, nostalgia, the body, and socioeconomics to practice vulnerability and seek connection. I embrace my imperfect realities with a playful selection of imagery and honesty to include all and share the weird, funny, sad, confusing shit that is the human experience. I love her and I know you will too. Here's our funny conversation over wine and snacks. Enjoy it. We just had it last week and I will speak to you at the end. Today's episode is brought to you by Four Sigmatic, a wellness company known for its mushrooms. They have so many products and their mushroom coffee is my favorite right now, but they have all these different powders and elixirs and I've put them in oatmeal before. I put them in yogurt. They're my favorite. I have... Even had the founder Tarot on the podcast years ago. Their mushroom coffee with lion's mane is really my favorite right now. It helps me focus even more than just regular coffee. Lion's mane supports productivity and Creativity, which is really cool. It also has chaga in it, which is known as the king of mushrooms. And it's one of my favorite of the functional mushrooms. This has compounds that have antioxidants in them. It's immune supporting, which is great right now. And I know that you're probably thinking, does this coffee taste like mushrooms? But I can guarantee it tastes great and you don't taste the mushrooms. And what's cool about the mushroom coffee is It doesn't leave me feeling jittery or crashing, and all of Four Sigmatic's products are organic, vegan, gluten-free. Every single batch is third-party tested for heavy metals and allergens and bad bacteria and yeasts and molds and pesticides to ensure our safety, which is really cool. So you know you're getting the highest quality coffee and mushrooms possible. Best of all, Four Sigmatic stands behind their products unconditionally with a 100% money back guarantee. Love every sip or get your money back. I've worked out an exclusive offer for Let It Out podcast listeners. Happy Thank You More, please, podcast listeners. You can receive 15% off your Four Sigmatic order. Now is the perfect time to try Four Sigmatic's best-selling mushroom coffee or any of their other products. Just go to foursigmatic.com slash katie and use the code katie at checkout. K-A-T-I-E. That's foursigmatic.com slash katie, F-O-U. U R S I G M A T I C dot com slash Katie to receive fifteen percent off your order. Thank you so much for SigmaTic. I'm going to, in addition to a sponsor each week, highlight an organization that I believe in and support. So this week, I want to talk about the Loveland Foundation. Many of you maybe already know about it. It was created by Rachel Cargill. The Loveland Foundation Fund provides financial assistance to Black women and girls seeking therapy. Everyone, and especially Black women and girls, deserve access to healing and mental health resources. The Loveland Foundation is doing such important and meaningful work and I hope you'll join me in supporting them. If you would like to make a donation or if you are a black woman or girl interested in applying for financial assistance go to the lovelandfoundation.org. The link will be in the show notes as well. Welcome to Let It Out. I'm your host Katie and I have with me my dear friend Leah Clancy. Hello! Leah, maybe we should explain how we met.
0: How do we do that?
1: <laughs> Good thing this is a long podcast. Okay, I'll start. So my friend and friend of the podcast, she's been on a million years ago, Christine, lives in LA. And when I knew I was going to be in LA for a couple of months, I told my friends in LA that I was coming and you know, if you know anywhere that I could sublet, whatever, whatever, I'd love to see you. And Christine was like, yeah, I'd love to see you. I'll let you know. The next morning, I'm in Australia. I wake up to an Instagram message from Christine being like, oh, hey, you might want to live here. And it was a Instagram story from my soon-to-be <laughs> new best friend, Leah, <laughs> being like, hey, I have an apartment in Mexico City. I'm there. I'm looking for a sub subletter, subletter mm-hmm. for... March and I didn't even I was just kind of like oh that's and there was great.
0: zero information on that post I like I saw it recently like I think it was going through my archives and my story I was like oh my gosh there is zero <laughs> information I'm so amazed that Katie like received it and was like hey I'll
1: bite. I know. And I was, and I honestly, I like didn't really ask for much information. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, you know what? It's March. Like, I'm going to be out. I'm, I'm going to be out with friends all the time. I'm not really going to even be there. Like, it doesn't really matter. It's in a neighborhood I want to stay in. Like, I was meant to go to Mexico for like a large two weeks of it. I wasn't even going to. Oh, that long?
0: I don't even. I didn't even- yeah. yeah.
1: And I was, only- and I was getting back on like the 7th. So, like, I was barely going to be there. So I was like, that's fine. I don't, I don't even, I barely. Barely looked at it. Turns out I was super there and it was a pandemic and I was there for several months.
0: (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's wild. And so then, okay, so then to pick up from Mm -hmm. that. Meanwhile. Meanwhile, I was in Mexico City. Kind of things were going according to plan. Katie was returning to the States from Australia. We were exchanging some WhatsApp voice messages and, um, you know, first it was very like, Logistical and it was I always use these examples, even though I don't know if I like actually did this, but it was like, okay, the keys are here yeah. and you'll find clean towels there and blah blah blah. <laughs> and then soon it was like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> and then like a week later it was like <gasps> Okay, so I'm gonna deal with this, and then like three weeks later, I was like, "Growing up, my childhood,
1: <laughs> I have
0: attachment
1: issues. <laughs> oh my gosh, I have an anxious attachment style too. I have a crush on someone who I don't think likes me back. <laughs> <laughs> I have a crush on someone who I've never met in person. Let That's me tell you boring. about my parents." <laughs> And we became very close very quickly. The way we explained this, and then to to, to give everyone a, a rundown, turns out Leah, instead of coming back, which was very kind, and we never really talked about this, she went to, and I know it wasn't fully because of me, but Leah went back to Buffalo, where she's from, and wrote out the height of, I guess not really the height of the pandemic. I know, at this in, point. in LA terms, <laughs> definitely not the height of it, but like in global terms. Early pandemic. Yeah, yeah. yeah wrote out the March, April, May months of the pandemic in Buffalo. I stayed here in her place and then she came back in June and we were like, well, I guess we can be part of a quarantine pod Pod. with each other. And we take, which our logic might've been a little bit flawed on that, (laughs) which I feel bad talking about publicly. Then it's like, okay, so everyone...
0: We've been with, yeah, no, it, I mean, it's fine because we it was get just, tested every week, we do we get tested weekly
1: we're we're very good at socially distance My big joke of being in l a is like one good way to do social distancing is like not having a lot of friends here, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you have a house full of friends. that's true, so it turns out I was on kind of like a weird um episode of the real world where I was just in this house (laughs) with three other people who are Leah's best friends who I didn't know, but turns out became my best friend. Yeah. Nothing to trauma bond you like a pandemic. Truly. I know. And
0: it was, it was so funny to kind of hear, I felt like I know. And I know that you guys have said this to me too, that I've, like I'm a little den mother of sorts because Mm -hmm. I've been in this house the longest. And so, you know, there's comings and goings frequently. And
1: you're the one in charge. She's the one that found the house and (laughs) curates the people. (laughs) I don't want to (laughs) say. I mean, it's, it chooses,
0: but it is this beautiful (laughs) little place where I've been lucky to live with like a lot of really, really cool and creative people. And, um, yeah, we've all ended up being friends and, um, But it was amazing to sort of hear both from your voice messages and then also like separately, like talking to my other roommates, like how you guys were all falling in with one another and like what things were looking like and feeling like for everyone. And then we had that beautiful little Zoom meeting the one Mm -hmm. time where the three of you, or I'm sorry, the four of you were in the living room and I was at home in my parents' house in Buffalo. And like, I just had this moment where you were all laughing so much at something. And it was, like, sort of, like, probably was like, killing
1: your plants. Maybe. We were so stressed about that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> By no fault of your own, because I was just, like, hey, can you guys look after these? Thanks. Fire. <laughs> but it was just, like, I just felt like this proud mama where I saw this moment where I was, like, you oh, should be. Oh, my gosh. They're kidding. Like, but it was just, like, this, like, beautiful yeah. moment where you were all getting along so well, clearly, and. It was just—it made me really happy to know that everyone was having fun here.
1: It was so easy and lovely, and I'm so grateful. I mean, I really feel like I won the the jackpot of where I was for this very tricky situation, mm. and I'm so grateful I got that travel in when I did, and then that I wasn't in New York, and that I was here, and yeah. that I was in this beautiful place, and— I didn't know it could have gone so many different ways, and I'm so happy it went the way it did, and that I made a really close friend out of it with you.
0: Yes, And I then, feel so
1: grateful. I have, I mean, Christine Wynn,
0: man, shout out to seriously, Christine. Seriously,
1: <laughs> seriously, she fully did me a solid mm-hmm. for this pandemic. Same, same, and I, I we should say now why we are in the quarantine pod together because I ended up finding my next sublet. When Leah came back from Buffalo in June, maybe this is boring to people, but I feel like we should give them context. I know. I think it's helpful. I now live around the corner and we kind of have this like college vibe where I come over all the time. I'm like yeah. Kramer in Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, like, I just come well, right in.
0: You're like the cute Kramer that wears like really mm-hmm. sweet dresses and mm-hmm. <laughs> like
1: brings wine. <laughs> uh-huh. And my mail still comes here and, you know, it's fun. And now I live with a bunch of boys and it's like a new girl episode <laughs> and it's... It's rough. Oh. <laughs> no, it's great. Okay, <laughs> that's another oh, podcast. We're <laughs> whoo, whoo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but Leah, in addition to being one of my very close friends now, is also a extremely talented writer and person, and. Mm-hmm. Can you tell a little bit about your background in education and why? And one of the reasons why I wanted to bring her here is because I thought we could have a really interesting conversation about writing. I've had a lot of writers on the podcast. Recently, Stephanie Dandler, who wrote the book Stray. I've had my writing teacher so awesome. Jessica on. I've had Kayleen Schaefer. Like we've had so Ashley C. Ford, like we've had so many writers on the show. And I love talking about writing on Let It Out. Not that it's a show about writing, but it I think, and Leah, I would love your thoughts on this too, mm-hmm. that writing is such an interesting art form, like all art forms, mm-hmm. I guess, but to talk about creativity and feelings and our lives in the context of this mm-hmm. is a really interesting jumping off point to yeah, talk about other things. Totally. Well, first of all, I feel like...
0: Mind is blown that you would include me as a writer among those other writers. Like you that. are,
1: you are, and beyond. Well, <laughs> oh, thank you. She's an amazing poet. Tell tell a little bit about your. We we did an interview for my write kit yeah. where Leah goes into her background and how she, how she became a writer and what she how the story about when you knew you wanted to be a writer mm. is so great and there's a lot of information in that episode. And I asked her these these questions. We just recorded it last week. And after we were done, Leo was like, "Could I ask you those questions sometime?" And I was like, "Yeah, that would be really cool." Because it was just a really I enjoyed that conversation so much. Same. It was such a jumping off point. I
0: like would forget. Like sometimes I was just like, "Oh my goodness, it's it's amazing to like have some structure to a conversation that you f- yeah like th- with a person that you feel so close to in a way because yeah. You know, especially in the way that we got to know one another, it was this funny and very organic and very one-off sort of situation where you don't have this, the same structure of like, you know, like, oh, where'd you go to school? da 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 kind of thing. It was like. Okay, extra towels are here, as I said. And then, like, you know, yeah. what, what are your feelings on a global pandemic? And also,
1: like, are they closing domestic travel? I might be stuck in Mexico. I, oh, like, right. it yeah, was yeah. really like, heavy. Things, <laughs> a lot of other things were coming up before,
0: like, how many siblings do you have or whatever. <laughs> but so it just felt like really conducive. And then I think that we have such a lovely flow and similar takes on certain things, so that if it felt so organic, but also, constructive and then just inspiring like that. I, I just felt like, oh, I got to reconnect to my roots of like writing is what is going to get me through this in a lot of ways. Um, I think that as we're like developing these routines in quarantine where, you know, you're trying to find this balance of, um, pressure that you put on yourself of like, how much is my expected output and what kind of, what, what kind of writing is that output or what kind of work in general and how do you keep that balance? sometimes I think it's easy to put other people first. Like I'm a freelance writer and I do a lot of copy writing and editing. And so, you know, I mean, I, I do have to, you know, keep myself afloat and be practical in that sense. And then at the end of the day of like, you know, writing Instagram posts for other people, I'm, I'm a little burnt out, but I think talking to you with like having that conversation, um, with your write kit just felt really, useful and reinvigorating to me and so um yeah and and i just felt like oh my goodness i love chatting about this and but i want to know more of katie's perspective because so much of our conversations have been a back and forth and i think that was the first time it's like a little more of a formal interview sort of style and so yeah i just i'm thrilled to talk to you more about your side of those things
1: yeah so we're gonna do that and then also when i was making the right kit maybe some of you know this, but I sent out several surveys and I got so many responses back. It was so weird. I've done surveys before, Mm -hmm. like about the podcast and about other things we've been doing. And for some reason, maybe because it's a pandemic, more people are home (laughs) and have time, but I got more responses for this survey about what I should include in the right kit than anything else. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of questions submitted and I put a lot of the, I I took that to heart and when I made the right kit, but I also wanted to just do an episode for everyone answering those questions. And I didn't feel qualified to answer all of them myself. And I, which is why I'm bringing Leah who has an MFA in writing and (laughs) went to grad school, which (laughs) we'll go back to, um, and studied writing in undergrad and a lot has so much more credentials than I do. Mm. You do, I do, but
0: Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. you do. Nope. Yeah. No, hey, who's a published book, tier?
1: book yeah, well, here? Well, uh, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will talk about we'll, we'll get involved. Um, but anyway, I wanted a friend, I wanted a buddy, and I wanted someone so incredibly, not just any friend and buddy, someone so incredibly talented mm. and humble, clearly humble um, and educated, <laughs> which we'll get into. But we're just going to go through all of those questions, and we yeah. have them in, in different categories. Habits and routines, organizational questions about writing, fears and blocks. So we'll do that. Second, we'll first ask, Leah will ask me the questions that I asked her last week. And then her answers are in the right Kit, of course. And then both of us are just going to discuss all the, you guys are basically going to interview us based off of the questions that were submitted. And yes. like I said at the beginning, I think writing is A way to talk about, like, if you have no interest in writing or journaling or, you know, seeing the world through that lens, Mm -hmm. I think this conversation will still be interesting because we're just talking about creativity and processing and feelings. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you're a person who listens to this podcast, probably those things are what this show is really all about. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay, give the rundown of. Your Who the hell move. I am? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um,
0: okay, so my name is Leah Clancy. Uh-huh. Um, I'm I, so I grew up in Buffalo, New York, um, in South Buffalo, which is very like Irish Catholic, sort of working class, lower middle class town. Um, very strong community vibes, um, but you know, I I w- was in. The same house all my life until I went to college. So you know, like pretty. And you had a snack square. square. I had. Oh. <laughs> Can you just quickly tell about the snack square? <laughs> I love that. I'm going to start including this in my like my bio as I Honestly, send things out. I think you should. Okay. Yes. So we. I think. Oh man, I don't. Can't remember exactly how old I was. Probably around like four or five. But we would have our midnight snack, quote unquote which was usually like a scoop of ice cream with some chocolate syrup on top of it. And we'd want to watch our show like at maybe 8 p.m. Uh-huh. But we weren't allowed to have food in the living room or on the carpet unless we had our snack rug. <laughs> 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 so our snack good. rug, which were probably like, I think they were like from the dollar store. And mine specifically, like I can think of like where they were like rolled up and tucked in the back hallway. Mine had was white with, like, blue detail and three white geese. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so is this kind
0: of like a placemat? Yes, but larger. And I think they were just, like, welcome mats that you would maybe, like, maybe have at your front door or, like, where you, like, stand at your kitchen sink. Those kind of things. But And what was the purpose of this? To protect the carpet from spillage? Basically, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was it. But it felt fun. Totally. I want one now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you a snack rug, Great. please.
1: <laughs> All I want. Okay, so so you're living in Buffalo. Snacks. You've got a snack rug. <laughs> What's what happens next? So
0: next, um, I graduate immediately from snack rugs to New York University. <laughs> I go to NYU um, to study English and American literature, and then I also minored in um, creative writing and media culture and communication, and. It was there that I really started to, you know, formulate my writing practice a little more um, and develop my my voice in a stronger sense, especially in regards to poetry. So I was in a very academic route in terms of um, studying English, literature, but also um, at the same time, really finding my groove in terms of like how I just wanted to write for myself. Yeah. And that kind of was what caught me like that's what sort of brought me on like i really loved the academic sides of things and the analysis and criticism but um i felt really strongly pulled towards poetry and what that did for me and what i could do for it and you know um so then i was looking at grad schools i also just kind of didn't know what to do after college new york city is a hard place to live in general but like graduating after having this like Beautiful, gigantic support system of NYU, and then all my friends and everything like that. To, you know, trying to land yourself in the real world was really scary and hard, and financially so psychotic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like oh my gosh, I can't manage that. Yeah. Um. So I moved back to Buffalo for a hot second. Um. And with my parents and um. Figured things out. And after my dad woke up from his hip replacement surgery, I, I got- love this part of the story. <laughs> I had gotten into CalArts the night before I got this email when I was like playing darts at this local pub with two of my middle school friends, which is so funny. And I got this email. It was like this like crazy moment of crossroads or something, you know? And the next day my dad had woken up and he was like coming off of anesthesia and he's very kind of stoic, serious guy, very practical in his advice. But I think he is like the most like such a strong judge of character and a strong sense of practicality that I was like, dad, I got into CalArts. I don't know what to do. Like, and he's like, well, what can you do with an MFA in poetry or an MFA in creative writing? And I was like, well, I can do blah ba 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 Like it helps me not work. He's like, can you teach? And I was like, yeah, I can teach with that. And he's like, we'll do that. Oh, ah. and so it was like this is really beautiful moment and I think I, I had talked about this in the Right Kid interview yeah. was that yeah. I was also at the same time up for a job at Google oh right I and like that, that was a weird thing and you know I I took the, the more expensive option for certain <laughs> yeah we were
1: joking around in that interview like well
0: Oh yeah, But um, I don't regret that in a lot of ways. And so yeah, okay. So then I moved. This is the longest little. No, oh, I love I it of all time. are kidding. This uh, is this is a long podcast. Get cozy. <laughs> have you met get me? Cozy. I know. I love I am the get long cozy. Win- long winded. <laughs> That's one thing I just. One of many things I love is just how much we can just chat forever uh-huh. until our how long are How like, long stop. were our
1: voice texts back and forth? So, These were
0: not two many. There minute were some situations. that were like seven, nine eight 17 seven. <laughs> it was great I, y'all like fans have let it out you should be very jealous of me because i had my own personal podcast mm-hmm. basically <laughs> uh-huh the select few
1: who get a heavy voice text from me <laughs> it's like just such a delight
0: personalized podcast i would savor them um but yeah so then i i accepted the cal arts offer moved out here and in L.A. in 2014, summer of 2014. So I literally just hit my six-year mark in L.A., which wow. feels so wild. Um, and, yeah, it was it a really amazing two years. Met a lot of really cool people. Worked with some amazing faculty. CalArts is really interesting and cool place. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about the MFA program and the, you know, I think I said the yeah, academic industrial Compre- yeah. complex academic industrial complex yeah um so i won't kind of go into a tirade on that anymore right now but um it brought me out here for which i feel really grateful it's given me a really strong sense of who i am as a poet and writer and yeah i it's it feels good to have that foundation in a lot of ways but I also keep finding other components of my f- foundation as a writer. Yeah. I feel like in the scope of things I'm still a very young writer. I am. We all are, aren't we? We're all young writers. I hope
1: so. <laughs> I have gray hairs coming in I do and too. I've gotten a lot of wrinkles over this pandemic. Yeah, but same. you you I don't see one. I don't see any in your head. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> I also I, honestly, gray hairs. We love gray hairs. I, love, I don't know why I said that. Love gray hairs. Yeah, I like, want to be long gray hair. Yeah, I exactly. really.
0: I've had a couple like silvery and gray hairs coming in, like right where my hair parts, sort of. Mm-hmm. And all I want, I have red hair. For people who don't know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just want a Bonnie rate. Oh, white very stripe
1: cool. So hard, yeah. And So I
0: was started noticing these recently, and I was just like, "Fuck." Yes, this is so
1: exciting.
0: Bonnie Raitt, here I come.
1: Congratulations.
0: I will be your angel from Montgomery.
1: (laughs) Um, All right. Thank you for sharing just a sliver of your writing history. (laughs) Um, There's more in the Write Kit interview, but that at least will center people around who you are, how we met. Hopefully people are present with us now. Let's get into these questions that I asked you. Yes. And maybe you can just take over the podcast for a second. And let's just go through these quick fire. I'm just going to say the first thing that comes. I did write these questions, but I haven't really thought <laughs> about my answers. No, this is So great. I was just writing them to ask you. But yeah, ask me them and then we'll like have a dialogue. About I love it. this. Cool. Okay, cool. So welcome to Let It Out. Hosted by Leah <laughs> Clancy. <laughs> Hosted by Leah Clancy. <laughs> Great. Okay.
0: So first first question I want to ask you is what is the greatest lesson you have
1: learned on writing? I knew we were doing this. I could have thought of my <laughs> answers. <laughs> it's better this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I think so so last year, I think I told you this, Leah, but so I studied when I was in school, I was terrible at at math and science and I didn't I wouldn't say I excelled at English, but mm-hmm. I wasn't bad at it. Mm-hmm. And in high school I had this one teacher, Miss Seika, and I mentioned her in our interview because something she said always stuck with me. But I love it. I I remember her just in- encouraging me. And for the first time I felt like I wasn't like just trying to keep up. Like yeah. I felt like I was okay at something. And then I, I I really wanted to be an actor. Like, that was the thing I wanted to do. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. I, like, haven't <gasps> told anyone this, really. It just came out right now. Because, to be honest, we have had some wine. <laughs> we, we have had a couple glasses
0: of wine, my friends.
1: And, oh, my gosh. Yeah. This is cool. Yeah. But I was like, well, I, I'm i not pretty enough to be an actor. I'm not cool <gasps> enough to be an actor. I'll be a high TV news reporter. Worst. Okay. And that's something tangible that I can do and control. Right? Yeah. So I was like, I'll study journalism. So that summer after, or it was in high school. I would go to this journalism camp. That's so cool. It was so lame and it was no, so dorky. I love this. But I loved it so much. Yeah. And I was in this class where my teacher... Flew in from Texas. Her name was Peggy. I remember it like it was yesterday, mm-hmm. and it was like a. I became one of the one of two editor in chiefs of our school newspaper in high school, and so like I got to go to this camp for free, and I was in this class about school newspapers. And I won some sort of award. I don't remember what it was for. I don't remember why. But I remember I learned so much in this class. I love this teacher, Peggy, from Texas. Mm -hmm. And I remember she gave us Anne Lamont's bird-by-bird essay about shitty first drafts. Yes. And it totally, like, shifted something in my mind and I just learned a lot about writing and I was like oh I was just doing journalism so I could do broadcast journalism because I wanted to be an actor and that seemed like an easier route mm-hmm. but I actually really like writing yeah and maybe I'm okay at it yeah. unclear and then at the end of journalism camp there were awards given out I'm not answering the question at all but no here this is are. how we this is how we converse. this is like how I got into writing I yeah. guess and I won this award. And I would remember like and my name. You don't remember being what it's for? I it was like for something I wrote in oh this my gosh. yeah. Like they gave these awards and I had to like go up in front of this auditorium and get it. And I remember just being like, oh my God.
0: Like, Are we talking like twenty-five people? Are we talking 50 no, no. people? No, oh, no, no.
1: Like an auditorium of people. Like, <gasps> I don't know, a couple of a hundred. That's so magical. Yeah. It was, it was pretty cool. To be cool. that
0: age and to receive that kind of recognition for something that is objectively niche and vulnerable for uh-huh. that age in your life is just like really, really cool.
1: Oh my God. Thank you so much for congratulating me on this compliment from <laughs> 15 years ago. But I'm, thank you. But do you know what I mean? That like clearly no, it was like a foundational so nice. moment no, for you. No, it super was. Cause I, and I remember like telling my mom about it and my mom being like, Okay, cool. You know, like I just wasn't like, I I never felt like that. I never felt like it was a big deal. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just kind of like, you know, but it encouraged me enough to be like, okay, I'm going to keep taking journalism classes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep editing the newspaper. And I think I'm going to study that in school. Like I knew I was going to study journalism in college, but I still wanted to do broadcast because it was this like performative being in front of people being seen aspect, yeah. And I never ended up doing that. Writing was what was important to me. And so I guess my greatest lesson on writing is like, for me, my writing never ended up being now i'm I'm writing personal essays and mm-hmm. I'm wanting to develop the craft. And you know this, Leah, but last year, twenty nineteen. I was looking at MFA programs mm-hmm. and wanting to go... Actually, I started looking at MFA programs in maybe 2016, like right when my book came out. I was like, I really want to study this and develop mm-hmm. the craft. And I never ended up doing it because I was working full-time mm-hmm. and I wasn't able to like devote the time to it. But last year, 2019, after a bad breakup, I was like, I'm just going to take a ton of writing classes and try to like... It's so e- It was so easy to do that in New yeah. York. And... I really focused on it in a way that I have so much to learn and I I really lack a lot of education because I haven't really studied writing other than journalistic writing, which is very different than the type of writing I'm trying to do now. But
0: also, I mean, and I think like, again, we've talked about this in the, the interview previously, but like, I think there's like a reframing that's really happening. And I think that New York is a perfect example of like how that's sort of the the catalyst for some of this alternative education. Yeah. You know, I mean, again, it's still pretty expensive in certain I mean the cost of living wise. And so, but now there's also like so many online courses that people can sign yeah. up for and different writing groups people can join. And it it's a matter of finding those groups. But um but you studied at Catapult, correct? Mm-hmm. Who were your instructors there? I'm
1: gonna do one of these this game really quick. Like, do you know does, does, does... Chloe Cadwell? Okay. Um, and Jess, who has been on the podcast, she's so wonderful. And then I worked with her privately and cool. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. I don't know if she still works there now, but Julie Bunton, she's
1: familiar. She
0: was awesome. She was huge for me. Um, she was my supervisor when I was an intern at powerhouse books. Powerhouse Arena and books in Dumbo in New York. Oh. And cool. it's like this beautiful, they they've relocated now to a different space, but it's this beautiful, huge like warehouse space that was a bookstore and they did all sorts of book launches and events. And like it was super cool. But then I know she moved on to Catapult eventually.
1: Well, that was what was cool about Catapult, of like Jess, my writing teacher, mm-hmm. had just not Jess, but had done her MFA at Columbia and she was like, I'm telling you everything I learned in my MFA. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> you're paying a lot less money.
0: Yes. I think I think you're and I think you said this, but like with an MFA, so much of what you're paying for is time. Mm-hmm. Strictly time. Like that you you're taking these classes, of course, and like like faculty and like your cohort, whatever, it's all yeah. really super cool. But um so much of it is just like I'm dedicating this money almost as, like, an accountability thing. Totally. You know what I mean? Like, that I have yeah. to focus on this. Like, and it sucks to have this, like, really extremely capitalist view of it, but, like, I need to get my money's worth
1: Yeah, out of this. And so I'm going to focus. Fully. And that, like, to really bring it back and answer the question, my greatest lesson on writing, yeah. I, because I did not, I just told you about my relationship to writing from day, the <laughs> second I came out of the womb. But... <laughs> Basically, it's that. It's like try. Do it. Yeah. Like writing is how Danny Shapiro, I think is the first person I heard say this, but she was like I don't know what I'm thinking unless I'm writing. Mm. And oh, I love that's that. what I feel Sorry, about I just journaling. It into the microphone. That was beautiful. <laughs> but that's what I feel about journaling for sure yes. and like that's why I started Journaling, but I feel that way even more so now, like writing non fiction and writing essays, like I can process something or create narrative around something. Mary Carr has this line of like writing non fiction, you start with events and then you create meaning mm-hmm. from them, mm-hmm. whereas. It's reversed when you are writing fiction where you start with meaning and then create events. Yeah. And going through the world, I, I often think about this with like songwriters. It's like, as writers, it's like, and Leah and I, now that we've become close friends and we talk about relationships and parents and feelings, it's like something really challenging and tough can happen or beautiful and tough or a mix of a lot of yeah, things. Yeah. And I can say like, okay, I have somewhere to put that. Mm -hmm. And that's my greatest lesson on writing of like, okay, maybe this will go into an essay or a screenplay, or maybe this will be an experience that I have that I, like Pete Holmes always says this where he's like, he's a comedian, obviously. And he always says, you have to live a life worth commenting on. Mm. And I think, you know, if I'm just in my house working on my computer, on social media, on my phone I don't really have much art to make, you know, but Mm -hmm. if I'm out having these experiences, that is part of writing. So I guess it's my greatest lesson is live your life, have experiences and then read and write.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I think that like, that kind of develops into like for me anyways, and this, I want to lead into the next question with this is that personally, my routine, my writing routine, it sort of happens that I I love nighttime writing. I especially before bed, I feel like I have a lot swarming in my head and I need to deposit it all somewhere. And so to write things down, like sometimes I'll do a to-do list and then I'll do a sort of jot that almost always defaults into a sort of like poem or freeform-ish situation that I can then take as a sort of nugget and then transform that into an essay or something if I want to. That's my sort of vibe. In terms of writing routines. But
1: what is your writing routine like? That's a great question. I mean I feel like. I I made this right kit. And I talk about morning pages. All the time. Mm-hmm. And I talk about journaling so much. And I wrote a book about journaling in 2016. And yet. I I do have some routines. And I do know. When I am best at writing. But. I go through periods of being consistent and then periods of being kind of inconsistent. Mm -hmm. So I'm the opposite of you. I can't... I'm kind of garbage after 4 p.m. (laughs) creatively. Mm -hmm. And I can do... Like I could podcast all day in the evening. I can... Anything that doesn't really take a lot of energy for me, I can do. But writing takes... Requires a lot of focus and energy for me. Yeah. So... I kind of have to do it first thing in the morning and if I don't get it in then I kind of won't. So I have a pretty decent morning page practice. That's like I journal so wonderful. pretty much every morning, three pages front back front. Like I pretty much get that in. Every, I mean I'm not going to say every day, but pretty much and and, and honestly like pandemic wise mm-hmm. I've that's one thing that really stuck. Like I'll do that First thing out of bed. That's so excellent. Skim I call it like skimming the pond, like getting the scum off the top of the pond so I can get to the clear water underneath. Yeah. That's beautiful. And in my and I call it in the book, I call it more I call it the morning dump. You know, sounds like poop. Get it?
0: Um, and in my We love talking about poop. We love poop. I know quarantine. Poop and sex.
1: (laughs) 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 Poop That'll be our memoir. Poop and sex. And anyway, I but skimming
0: the pond skimming the that. pond.
1: I do that most or my version of the artist's ways morning pages. Julie, maybe we should say for people listening, the artist's way morning pages are a practice from Julia Cameron's book, the artist's way that came out in the 90s maybe mm-hmm, 80s mm-hmm. um it's a very well-known practice of just writing stream of consciousness three pages front back front j- totally journaling like not to be shared it can be a to-do list it can be i hate doing this i'm tired mm-hmm. or it might be really poetic who knows um or
0: all of those things all of those things basically and yeah within
1: yeah within those three
0: pages have you done morning pages or gone through stents of doing it i i'm I'm terrible in terms of doing stuff in the morning. Like yeah. having the morning routine is extremely hard for me. And I think it's because I had a lot of trouble. Like I have a, had a lot of sleep issues mm. within my life. And so like waking up has never been an easy thing yeah. for me. Um, and strangely enough, quarantine has been changing that for me. I've suddenly had it in a good very, way. Very. Yeah. Great. Like a, like a pretty standard sleep routine where, you know, like, like, I'm not going four days. Like, yes, I'm waking up at seven thirty every morning, and then suddenly, like, I have a dinner party that I'm like yeah, getting home at one thirty two, and then I'm sleeping in the next yeah. morning, and I'm like, damn it, it's all gone to hell. Bless you, salute. But no, I do not do morning pages per se. I guess I have yeah. night pages, but yeah. But even then, I'm not super consistent in my night pages, and so I feel like. I mean, I need to take a page out of your book. Ha <laughs> ha.
1: But- well, and I want to be really honest, too, of like, I it's not every, every day. Yeah. Sometimes it's first thing out of bed. Uh, lately, it's not. Lately, I, like, go on a walk first. And it's like, I it, I do it, it's first thing before I start working. So yeah. it's, like, 11 a.m. pages. Yeah. And sometimes it might be 2 p.m. pages. But I'm just, like, I'm... Listen, I'm in a period of my life right now where I'm feeling a lot of feelings. I think yeah. we all are, mm-hmm. but I'm in a transition. Oh, I forgot to tell you guys on this podcast. I'm moving to LA. <laughs> <gasps> this is the this is your announcement? This is the announcement. <gasps> this I'm is it. so honored. I'm I know, so honored to be here for this. So I'm moving to LA. <laughs> so it's just like I'm moving across the country. It's a pandemic. I'm making new friends. A lot's happening. So... Because of that, I often say this, I say this in the book, there's two types of journalers and what I call an SOS journaler and a maintenance journaler. Oh, cool. And the maintenance journalers are people who kind of show up and do it all the time. And the SOS journalers are like, I have something I need to process. I feel like pregnant with something. I am super SOS. Yeah, and I am too. And I think I've just kind of been living in SOS. So it's been been consistent. You know what I mean? Like it's become maintenance because I've just (laughs) lived in SOS. Oh my goodness. I hear That's that. That's one way to become consistent In maintenance is just live, live in dire constant, straits,
0: frantic energy. <laughs> just don't know what you do. Leah gave me my first
1: tattoo <gasps> in quarantine. This is true. No one knows about this because I can't. Good thing my mom doesn't listen to the podcast. Phew. I um can't doesn't post care about, about it on your Instagram. cool
0: awards or your podcast seriously. Episodes.
1: Ugh, mom, you're no wonder I have out. allowed to journal about. baby. <laughs> 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 okay. Back to the back to the oh, question. Yeah. Okay,
0: I'm so I'm really bad. You're see, you're this is like, such you're a good great. example of how good you are at this.
1: Okay, so writing routines. Uh, well, I will say about like actual writing, like not journaling. Yes, I. This is something I got from just my writing teacher. She has a. Folder on her computer Called Essays in Progress Cool And I adopted that Where I always try to have One or two things I'm working on Mm -hmm. And I make the first 20 minutes of the day Before I check email After I do my morning pages And in my morning pages Also becomes a to-do list It's also like you know, and I start to self soothe as I go down the page sure. in the morning pages. It's like yesterday was terrible, but today is better, and it become there's gratitude involved, and there's definitely a to do list for the day of what I want to accomplish that day involved. And then I spend twenty minutes before I check emails doing something creative. So it might be like working on the right kid, or it might be like something that needs a lot of my brain power. But often it's like getting at least like tucking into an essay a little bit, yeah. or Right now I'm writing this screenplay with a friend. So I might like work on that a yeah. tiny bit. But there's some projects I can do in the evening. That's one of them. Mm-hmm. But anything that takes a lot of brain space, I just, I literally put my phone on airplane mode. I set a timer for 20 minutes. and I, for, I'm for i like, you can either stare at your computer or you can work at this for 20 minutes, but you're not allowed to do anything else. Yeah. And I do that on a That's good day. That's really
0: cool. Also, airplane mode for your phone, I think is like the best advice. Yeah, I do it a lot. Like you can give to any person who needs to work on anything ever. Lee Stein, I don't, I I followed her on Twitter forever and I know she was like, I think one of the really instrumental people in doing binders on Facebook. I don't know if you're familiar with that Facebook group. It was during the presidential debates early on, I guess it would maybe be even like in 2015 when Mitt Romney was talking about something about like diversity in his like how he would have diversity in his cabinet or something and he said i i have binders binders full of women in this one debate and it was just like everyone immediately just erupted in like what the like are you kidding me dude but so she started this group binders full of women on facebook that like thousands and thousands and thousands of people joined and then now there are like all of these like really amazing subgroups that like get really specific that it's like by genre by and by region so like binders full of poets in los angeles things like that and but it's a lot of like sharing resources on how to pitch like what your rates are like all this really really cool stuff um so i really recommend anyone listening to this like any women or non-binary folks like check that Facebook group out because it is just like a wealth of resources and really supportive group and stuff. Thank you. Like some pages are just like, hey, share something you're really proud of. Like, what if, like, did you get a pitch accepted? Like, is something of yours published? Do you have an essay on Medium that you want people to read? Like, just post it here. It's really cool. Oh,
1: well, I loved that. (laughs) I loved that. Binders full of women. Should we go to the next question? Yeah. Well, that was a great suggestion. Yeah, of course. Okay. So,
0: Writing routines. How? Okay. After this, how do you? I mean, especially uh, speaking of pitches and and things like that. How do you handle rejection when it comes to writing?
1: Literally not well. I mean, I. This I think my relationship to rejection and writing is directly correlated to my relationship with rejection in life, Aww. which is not well, you know? Well, I mean, one and the same, you know? Right. We all want to be, like, seen and recognized and loved. And I think, you know, I, my— my What I'll say about that is that, like, I I understand now it's part of it because I've talked to enough writers. Yeah. But my writing teacher, Jess, who I've mentioned and who has been on the podcast, and my good friend, Dini, who has been on the podcast and is a writer, she— They both told me like, dude, these rejections that you're getting for these essays that you keep submitting and you keep getting rejected, rejected, rejected. It doesn't necessarily mean they're bad essays. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean they won't see the light of day. It means they weren't a fit and we don't necessarily know why, or we do know why even. And the reason it hurts so bad for you is because you're not exclusively a writer where they were like, Mm -hmm. what we do is like all day long, we're pitching and writing and like, you're doing a lot of other things as well mm-hmm. and I'm never going to be someone at least for a while who is consistently exclusively writing and I'm kind of more of a master of none where I'm doing that and I'm dabbling mm-hmm. and I think becoming okay with that and being like okay this does sting more because I'm not doing it very often I'm putting so much into you know if you like make a decision you like vacillate on that decision so much, yeah. like you'll feel worse if you made the wrong decision than if you just were like, nah, okay, I'll do. Just this. like I'm gonna do it and yeah. go for it, and then it's like, nope,
0: oh, that was wrong. Okay, gonna go in the different. Right. Yeah, totally, it's, it's
1: harder if you really were struggling with it. And so I think when I think about rejection, it's just like trying to make that comeback time between feeling that and being bummed and moving on and trying again quicker and i don't i don't have the answer and i i write about a little bit in the right kit but i just say that essentially a lot of this sort of a conversation of like rejection's hard and it's part of it and it's okay Mm -hmm. first
0: thought of the lee stein thing is because we were talking about airplane mode on phones oh my, my phone just buzzed and i was like didn't put it on airplane mode She's a great freelance writer and she has like great tips for the oh, freelance writers. And she Second, talks about airplane mode? Exactly. Second, uh, you are not a master of none. You are a master of many. No. I think you're extremely talented and I think that the correlation be- between podcasting and writing is similar to like what we were talking about between journaling and poetry and mm. that there is so much required of you that is about delivering your truths mm. and having a conversation with someone that is not necessarily seen. I think that the listener is very similar to the reader. And I think mm. you need to kind of keep that in mind That's when so you're creating nice, any sort of thing that it's like, not, not you, but like, you know, the general you of like, Yeah, I think that you can just let yourself have confidence in like yeah. facilitating that connection, whether or not they're in person Third, thank you. you. Rejection, I think what you're saying too about like it's good to just talk about it. Yeah. To feel like like you're talking about with your friend who's saying, like, of course it's gonna be a little more harsh for you because you know, you're not doing it all the time or whatever. I think that to just hear that is so validating. Yeah. To have validation on feeling invalid Mm -hmm. is invaluable. (laughs) (laughs) Do you you wanna say that thirty times fast? Like (laughs) agree but I think I think it's just like normalizing that that level of like feeling you know not good enough and da 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 but then people come at you with like oh I got rejected from them too or like wait your rejection note had a personal statement of like why your piece wasn't right like mine didn't it was just the generic thing or whatever I think that's so good to share yeah those feelings on that
1: yeah Agree. Yeah, fully agree. Mm
0: -hmm. So rejection, we love it. We're here for it.
1: I I mean, that's maybe aggressive that we love it, but we understand. That's such a joke. I don't (laughs) love it.
0: Hate it. Hate rejection. But you gotta like embrace it. Okay. Um, what does your editing
1: process look like? I love editing. Like I think Mm. I I'm I I think I'm editing as I'm. I think I I probably need to talk to you about this. Like, I depend on editing too much. Like, I'll be writing mm. and I'll be like, oh, I'll figure this out later. I like I'll let Jess figure this out or like, mm. oh, Leo, tell me what to do here. Where I just kind of <laughs> like, if I get stuck sometimes, especially in a draft, uh-huh. I'll just be like, okay, I can move on. Like, I know I'm very good at like, I love when people give me edits. I get I get really overwhelmed by them. Like, I wrote this one piece that I had, it was the most beautiful experience writing an essay. I started it in one of those classes that I took last Mm -hmm. winter and I worked on it for maybe three months, worked on it with my writing coach like privately. And then I had a bunch of women read it, including Kayleen Schaefer, who's done the podcast, including Deanie. So many really talented writers Mm -hmm. I had put on a pedestal, read this piece, as well as my best friend and like, people who aren't necessarily writers, but just read it for me and gave me feedback. And I got so much feedback. And I remember getting very overwhelmed by the feedback of, like, if, and I, and it was in a writing workshop. So, I also had the feedback of, like, when you're in a workshop, that as you cohort. know, like, somebody saying, I love this part, I hate this part. Mm-hmm. And having to make that choice yourself. Right. So, I can get very overwhelmed by edits of, like, w- oh, no, I, I actually agree with all this, but now I've got to do all the work of making them. Right. And that can feel overwhelming, but it also feels really empowering. Yeah. So that's that's it. That's all I have to say on that. That's wonderful. I, I think that it's really
0: important to embrace those weird feelings about it. It's mm-hmm. because I think the, like, the different contradictory things, like whenever you're in a writer's group or getting feedback, it's really hard when you hear two things where it's like, Keep this. Go with this. I love it. And then it's like that same thing is bringing this whole piece down. Totally. And you're like, oh my god, what do I do? And it's just a matter of instinct and like what you want to say. And I don't know. That's a very generic statement for me to just be like, go with your gut. But I don't know. That's... yeah. <laughs> That's it's what true. You have to do with editing. It's <gasps> true. Oh, oh, I thought. Okay. Um, I just thought of something. Um, oh, great. I mean, that kind of this kind of goes with. Editing and also your routine. But how frequently, if ever, do pieces from your morning pages make themselves known in your essays? Are they directly related? Like, are you ever transcribing your morning pages to incorporate in your essays? And, like, how does that work? Like, are you editing your morning pages ever for essays or something? That's
1: such a good question. I never exactly because mm-hmm. i have to i have to know in my mind that that's not what that is for sure often i'm handwriting my morning pages but okay. lately actually i have been writing them on a document on my computer but i will go back through almost once a week and i'll just kind of at least right now because i'm processing so much and i'm noticing some things that's like okay, this I want, I'm calling them gems, right? Yes. Things I want to process. And it might just be like something I want to talk about in therapy. Mm -hmm. Or like, sure. it might not necessarily be creatively, but I have had like, it will definitely be like thought starters happen in my morning pages often. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like big chunks, not really often at all. Sometimes though. But it's never like, oh, I'll just take that and publish it that's cool yeah i went to a writer's residency
0: um the juniper institute at umass amherst which was really cool just like this week-long thing and heather crystal who's a poet who i just admire so deeply she in our workshops would say okay what are signs of life Mm. in these gosh now i'm like worried that that is not exactly what she called it but I think that's what it was. Something and like just that. it yeah. feels really.
1: I, but I really like gems as well. It's cool. Yeah, okay. yeah. Signs of life, gems. Same thing. Love it. Yeah.
0: What is the favorite part in your process of
1: all of this? I think we kind of agreed on this. Just being done, like <laughs> <laughs> being like, I wrote that. I submitted it. I feel good about it. I could not have made that better. I did the best I could, and that feeling of ah, oh, it's like a release, you know, and that feels really good. And and just, you know, this might be my ego wants to, wants to say this, mm-hmm. or this might be a part of my astrology sign. Who knows? But, like— What up, Torah? Yeah. Like, I want to be seen and loved. And so publishing something feels really good. Yes. And I think—I don't know if it was Elizabeth Gilbert who said this or who said this, but this came up in our interview, too, of, like, I don't like—she says, I don't like writing. I like having written.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I kind of feel that way. I really feel that way. Like the release of it is what's cathartic. Mm -hmm. Being in it is hard and messy. And yeah,
0: it feels chaotic. It feels like really like a struggle. I can't think of anyone who's just constantly, constantly sitting down, overjoyed to be writing every day. Like that's just not real.
1: Yeah. There's some quote about writing. We'll find it, but it's like you maybe know it. It's like I don't know who. I feel it's not Joan Didion, but it's like writing is the scalpel I use to like carve my wounds or something. Or like it's something intense like that. That's cool and heavy, yeah. Like that, and I want to know know more about that. All right Let's burn through We So we've been going Like an hour And I wanted this To be an hour total oh, So let's damn. burn through These questions That were submitted okay. By everyone else We're going to Quick fire them out quick, quick quick And say our answers
0: Rapid response mm-hmm.
1: Team First thing that comes efforts. to mind
0: Okay Habits and routines How do you make writing Part of your daily routine Katie go I mean we've kind
1: of Covered this I do morning pages and And I'm also like I think I need to be more honest because I think I kind of came on here on my high horse of like, I do morning pages daily. And it's like, (laughs) I miss them so much. You know what I mean? Like there are so many days I don't do them. There's a bunch of days I do Mm -hmm. lately, Mm -hmm. but I've gone through huge periods of time where I haven't done that. And the other part of how I make writing part of my daily routine is that I try to do it before I do anything else, before Mm -hmm. I check email, because I know for me if I don't get it in early, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So I try to protect that creative time and know that like, I have to kind of have the combination, right? Like enough totally. caffeine, not too much. Yeah. in, but not too much. Mm-hmm. Like awake, but like not, well, I guess there's thing of, no such thing as being too awake, but you know what I mean?
0: Right. But, not, but also not feeling totally scattered and mm-hmm. like, yeah, like wired. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What about you? I, again, like just, like, the the daily nighttime deposit sort of thing is always really helpful to me. And again, like, I'm also not doing that every single day. But I'm aware of it every single day. And, like, I'm aware, like, when I'm sometimes, like, in bed, just like, oh, I'm so tired. Like, I should be writing. And I'm a big, like, bed
1: writer. Like, I love— On your phone?
0: No, almost never on my phone. Notebook. I always have a notebook wow. next to my bed. Yeah, you, you can are see very
1: tactile. Yeah. Um our Nobody bed next to
0: my bed ba- our bed our bed <laughs> um we're we're also in we're in my room right now which was Katie's room and is now our room and it just feels really magical but then i also have a notebook with me wherever i go so i think that as much as i'm like trying to make it a daily like same time every day thing as much as i fail i still go for it and then also anytime something jumps to mind one thing i will say this twitter as someone who like defaults to humor sometimes and little quippy things, I have recently deleted Twitter from my phone and it has helped me just take those things that I wanted to tweet and put them into my notes on my phone to do, maybe live there forever and do absolutely nothing, but it feels a little more productive that way and also
1: prevents me from doom scrolling and so highly recommend that. I like that, and I will say that's kind of what you were asking about earlier about my morning pages. Oftentimes, what I do get from my morning pages is like an idea for an essay, yeah, often, totally, yeah,
0: that's or great. something
1: I want to write. Okay. Next question is how do you develop a writing practice? I think we're a really great example of this of like, we can't tell you how to develop a writing practice other than Get some self-awareness on what works for you Because yeah. I think you and I, Leah Are a really good example of like Literally night and day Yeah <laughs> I can't write at night <laughs> And I'm not going to try And so to develop a writing practices I would say Figure out where and when you are most creative And try mm-hmm. to protect that time Yeah And try to use it And then when you don't Don't beat yourself up Because that'll just prevent you from Using it in the future. Yes. Do you have anything to add? um, I think
0: then also, unfortunately, as much as writing is actually writing, then to split that up into time for editing, time for sharing, time for submitting, you know. And then also, we talked about this in the Write Kit, um, but also time to like, to daydream, to read, to take in other things. So I think that just in developing your writing practice, you need to... Be persistent, but also be kind to yourself Mm. and be generous in what you consider your writing practice. It doesn't need to just be like furrowed brow, sweating over the page or like at the typewriter, manically, frantically freaking out. And like, you know, it's it's a lot. Be generous with how you define your writing practice, I think is
1: is something I want to add. Totally. Yeah, I love that. Okay, how do you let yourself write more freely? Is that an issue for you?
0: Um, so sometimes I think it's too much of an issue, or n- not enough. Yeah, I, I think I we both say? have that. Yeah, like I, I sometimes think I'm like, oh, boundaryless. I'm just, yeah, yeah, yeah same. just cut a little too stream We're of consciousness. We're not the to ask about this. Um, so talk to your friends and family.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're we err on the side of I honestly I've been thinking about this a lot like in relationships in romantic relationships especially Mm -hmm. I I got so used to sharing about myself and my life on my internet on my internet (laughs) Jesus (laughs) on the internet you do have your
0: (laughs) you have your own internet
1: Uh, on let it out I mean my whole shtick is let it out to the point where I'm like I need to hold a bit more in Anyway, so I feel like I need maybe more boundaries, but I think in writing, it's it's good. truth is really the kernel of like truth is creativity. Truth is how people can relate. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And I think also to yeah, like a judgment, I think comes into play, and to not judge yourself for those truths, to let the truths come, and then if you need to analyze. Analyze. (laughs) Analyze. do some analysis to analyze do it after yeah um yeah just let it let it out first
1: yeah yeah exactly and that's the connection between journaling and writing is like journaling is meant to be free form and is meant to be messy yeah and it's a draft you know or it's not necessarily a draft it's an idea and then it can become something that is more constructed Mm -hmm. and and you talk about that really I, well. I, I in the also think hit.
0: with like with yeah, and, and then again, like with your write kids. sometimes in order to write more freely, you need structure at the at the beginning. Like you need that
1: like a impetus prompt. to
0: write. And so you need the prompt. Mm-hmm. So you like you need those things that sort of trigger certain memories. Joe Brainerd's I remember is like an amazing mm-hmm. piece where he just begins every single sentence with I remember. Yeah. And it it's just absolutely um believable. It's such a beautiful piece. And like so even if it's just that kind of constraint yeah. or prompt it it really lets things f- flow in a way that yeah. you wouldn't expect.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How do you make yourself write every day? I think that's easy. I don't. And Same. I think forcing never works.
0: Yeah, never. Yeah, you get more, get, catch more flies with honey than vinegar. Mm,
1: so good. Yeah, <laughs> totally. How do you refrain from editing your thoughts and emotions before you put them on the paper? Oh, I don't have an issue with that. Same. But that's because I've done it so long. I'm sure the first time I was journaling or the first time I was doing morning pages, I was considering someone else reading it or I was considering, and and this is a big thing for people that question I get a lot is like, how do you not think about your future self reading it? And I do have that thought sometimes, especially if I'm journaling on my computer where I'm like, what is, you know, 2022 Katie going to think of this? But I really take that out because I know it's medicine for me or it's catharsis for me to just process. Like you can truly just write something down
0: and never read it again, and never hold it against yourself if you never do.
1: Yeah, I have. I mean, I do that all the time. And that's so why I read so on legal pads because for, it's like it's not beautiful. I throw them yeah, away. I don't think about it again. It's, I, it's just I am to purge. weird in
0: that I save every single thing. I don't, and I don't know why, but I have this fear. Like, I mean, that it kind of like transcends just my writing practice and goes into like other aspects of my life. But I get afraid of like. Throwing something out that later I remember is really important for some reason, and so I just hold on to it. Um, but yeah, I think that if if you are having an issue with trying to trying to communicate your emotions or or not being able to do that, just I think like you said, it's a practice. It you really just have to keep trying and yeah, just keep going.
1: Okay, now we're going to shift into talking about publishing and sharing your writing. Mm-hmm. Because there's a bonus module in the right Kit about that. And so I want to make sure all of these questions are covered. So one of them is, how do you find your niche in writing? I'm interested in your thoughts on that. I
0: think that it's good to start by ca- casting a wide net. I think that when I started writing, I mean, like, at first when I was a kid, I was like, thought I was into poetry. But, like, not in a sense of, like, what poetry means to me now. But obviously, you just got to go with it. Um, And then I was really into short stories for a super long time and thought that fiction was the route for me. Turns out, absolutely not the case whatsoever. Kind of like basketball. I thought I was really good at basketball for 6th and 7th grade. You guys, I was not good at basketball. But you got to just like test Uh it out. Then I also was, well, I mean, Katie and I in our many voice message uh-huh. exchanges, realized we had very similar <laughs> lives in strange yeah. ways. One being we both went to St. Thomas Aquinas. Oh, that's weird. Okay, like not even the same school. Like one was in Michigan, one was in New York. Both were St. Thomas Aquinas. Yeah. Another one, that's weird. we were both one of the co-editors of our high school newspaper. Very weird. And I did also think like, I'm going to go into journalism because I felt very ambitious. And I was like, journalism is the perfect way in which you can like be like really career driven and successful, but also be like writing. And yeah, I just, it didn't, I was not cut out for that. Um, And then went into college thinking like, okay, I'm going to take more of like a literature bend study English and American literature and, like, get into academia. And then by the end of that, I was like, oh, JK, it's a poetry. I'm landing right back where I started, but, like, invaluable experience nonetheless. So, I think it's just to, like, try it all yeah. out. Literally tr- just try every little aspect that you can of it. Take mm-hmm. different classes. And I think that also your niche is probably going to be a combination of all of the different genres in some way. Mm-hmm. I, I really love writing essays, personal nonfiction, and I love writing poetry. And I think there's a, a lot of blurry space in between those two things. Mm. So. so
1: well said. I don't have anything to add. I think someone said to me on on my podcast when I was really, I I would ask about feeling like a master of none all the time. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's a sign of a highly creative personality to try a lot of things and whatever rises to the top will be the thing. And I think it's the same thing with a niche, like try a lot of things and whatever rises to the top, you know, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, How do you know if it's good enough to turn in? Do you have a writing structure? I think you don't know it's good enough to turn in, except also you kind of do know, like you've made all the edits, you've had people Mm -hmm. read it and it's a gut feeling sort of mm-hmm. a thing. And in terms of a writing structure, it depends on what you're writing. Like there's a structure for essays, there's a structure for poetry, you can, there's a structure for scripts. And a lot of that is really Googleable. Yeah. I think.
0: No, I, I mean, it's really crazy now, like the number of resources that are out there for like how one should format a personal essay versus how one should do like a third person, like human interest piece or something like that. And then, if it's good enough to turn in that kind of thing, I think it's awesome to like share your writing, but I also think it like beforehand, but if you feel like you're really struggling with that, I think you can also fully just send your writing in, whether it's like a pitch or sending in full form, submitting it without having shown it to anyone else before. Mm -hmm. I think that if you just feel like it's done in my eyes, it's ready to go, go for it. And then maybe you'll start getting feedback from people If you're getting rejections or you're going to get, you know, acceptances, and that's fucking awesome, too. So, like, go with that. Go with your gut. I mean, again, I feel like a dork saying that, but you just got to feel it out.
1: Yeah, well said. Well said.
0: Thank you. Okay, you want to read this next one? Sure. So, Katie, you really value vulnerability and sharing soft stories. What were some of the ways you challenged yourself to be more fully seen and known, especially early on when it was something you may have not felt so comfortable doing? I'm sure vulnerable shares don't come easy even now with more practice.
1: That's a great question, this is really a very interesting. Nice question. I do really value vulnerability and sharing soft stories. But I have to say to this person like this is what's a little bit interesting of like I don't know how and I don't know why, but this did actually come easy for me. Yeah, yeah. Being boundaryless of like, I think it maybe was just I started doing it early on, kind of like learning a language. Like, I don't know if I started today, if I would feel so comfortable opening up my life on the internet. But I was, I started writing a blog when I was 20. Yeah. and. I The first vulnerable piece I wrote, I write about this, I talk about this in the right kit, was talking about my eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And it felt so easy. It was a piece for Refinery29. And it felt so easy to share about that f- with strangers. Like, I no feelings. But knowing my uncle read that piece. Yes. That was where the vulnerability came. Yeah. Of, like, the people who were there for that and saw that and saw me lie about that and then were reading that piece. Yeah. Like, that was challenging, you know? And so I think it's like, it's the people close to you that I'm nervous about reading my writing. It's not the strangers. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it is practice. And I think there are, just, I think it might, and this is my question for you, I guess. It's mm-hmm. like, do you think some people are just more, like, that muscle is just more open of like, I'm fine with you knowing and me letting it out yeah then other people are more guarded like I I don't really know why I don't know why it's so easy to me and I wish that I could like give better advice but I can't
0: yeah no I think I used to be really restrained in that way um I feel like growing up I was extremely emotionally repressed in a lot of ways and it was no and no one's Fault really, but more of just the environment that I grew up in. Again, I mentioned that was like very Irish Catholic, like sort of working class. Like you don't talk about your feelings. Like I've struggled with anxiety and depression all of my life, and it wasn't really until later in college that I was like officially diagnosed with that. But it was it was a really hard time, even just even accepting that. And I feel like writing was a way to process that. Um, And so I guess that intersection of like figuring out my mental health status in a sense and then also finding my voice in writing just it was sort of like a beautiful coincidence in a way that my poetry then like followed suit of this sort of like neo-confessional sort of tradition that it felt very natural. Um if that makes any sense. Yeah. And also I I just like really appreciate what you're saying about how writing can be really difficult when it's on this very familial level like your uncle may be reading it or something like that especially when when like when the things that you're writing about are so deeply connected to your the ways that you're raised and like how like how and where and when and why you grew up in the way that you did and so then like I think this is one thing maybe just to harken back quickly to the, the moment or the the question we are having about how do you avoid self editing when you're writing one thing that I really encounter a lot in my poetry or prose or whatever, is just like stop thinking about what grandma and Papa are going to think yeah. if they ever read this piece. Yeah, Like, do you know what I mean? Like, sure I just I. like, I can't worry about that. And, and so it's this weird form of self censorship that happens that, um, can be really hard when you are sharing those vulnerable stories or like trying to push yourself further in that regard. Yeah. And I think ultimately what I'm saying is to put it down on paper first because grandma and papa are not looking over your shoulder. Yeah. And then once you have it out, then you decide what to do with it. And you figure it out once it comes down to that moment. Yeah.
1: That's an editing problem, not a writing problem.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. Perfect. Mm
1: -hmm. Cool. Mm -hmm. Next question, man. We have so many. We got to keep these tight because we've got pages of questions, which is so cool that so many questions are. I know. It's really awesome. How do you get over the fear of sharing? How do you deal with fear of your work being misunderstood or judged? I think that's what's holding me back. I think we covered that. You know, I Um, think it's like that's exactly what I was saying. Yeah. the The last question, which. Cool. Cool, covered. Okay. I hope that helps. These are all organizational questions, which I need all the organizational help. I'm so dorky about this. Do you have a system for organizing or archiving your past writings?
0: I am so reliant on Google Docs and Google Drive. And we talk about this a little bit in the right kit. I have a sort of like anal retentive process where I write, handwrite almost everything. Then I transcribe it and I edit as I transcribe, and then I separate into separate poems, and then take from that one document while I'm transcribing, separating them into separate poems, and then I have them organized by (laughs) year. I have then like it's it's kind of like a really weird, crazy system, and I think is both good and bad because I think it's one thing that helps me stay organized, but also at the same time helps me procrastinate Mm. because I'm like, no, 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 no. I can't yet get around to sending this work out because it's not properly filed or I have to separate it in different ways. Bah, 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 And it's like, Leah, is that that important? Like, I don't know why I get so librarian on myself. I feel like it does help me feel a little more important about my own writing, which is something that I have a hard time doing. But at the same rate, I do get too caught up in it. And so, I do have a system, and it could be too much. But again, I think it's like, one, pick if you are doing it, like, cloud-based, or if you're doing it, like, you know, like, on your computer Back it up on your hard drive kind of thing. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then stick with one or the other. You don't want your writing spread out
1: too much. Mm, totally. That's such a good I think that's
0: maybe my practical yeah. advice. How about you?
1: I don't have much other than what I've already mentioned, which is having that folder on my computer of essays in progress. Which is great. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, I can I can tap into anywhere I want to tap into. I also use Google Docs. My work work feels very organized. Mm-hmm not by my own doing, but by people helping me. And I feel like one of the writing classes I took at Catapult last year, a teacher said that the day before she works on an essay, she cleans her apartment, she does all her errands, she handles her inbox, and she clears space. And so that's my biggest organizational hack for writing is like, I do everything else so I can't procrastinate Yes, with I love else. that. Yeah. I love that. And
0: yeah. then it's also extremely effective for every other aspect of your life because you're like being motivated by writing. Fully. You know?
1: Yeah, definitely. Where do you seek out finding props? Okay. One more time. Katie. <laughs> you got it. Where do you
0: <laughs> where do you seek out ideas such as finding prompts or other related information?
1: Hmm. I mean, my my ideas genuinely come from my life, like something I feel pregnant with needing to process, mm-hmm. like an experience or a feeling that's really big, then I write about it. In terms of prompts, I like giving prompts. The right kid is full of prompts. Yes. Um, I use my own prompts. Prompts are really just a good question. If you ask yourself a good question, you'll get a good answer from your intuition and from creativity.
0: And maybe that's, like, part of the process, too, is then just, like, if you find yourself asking a question, just write that down and use it as, like... Imagine that you didn't even ask your that question to yourself yeah. in a way. You know? Just, like, third-person, objective party. Here's the question. Yeah. Now respond to it.
1: Yeah. What about you?
0: I have different things once in a while that might, you know, sort of trigger a response in me, but I just thought of Bernadette Mayer's, like, Bernadette Mayer is a really wonderful poet. She's super, super cool. But she has a list of journaling ideas or writing responses that are so fun and cool. And I highly recommend just oh, cool. Googling awesome. it. I'll send you the link to this, yeah. but I just pulled it up. But like sometimes it's just like um, something as simple as responding to the pictorial instructions on something that's oh, around the house. Cool. Like I remember her reading a poem that she wrote about um the instructions on a fire extinguisher that she had in a motel room that she was in. And it was it was just so cool how she decentralized herself from the experience of even write like reading the I don't know. Like I I can't I'm just gonna gush if I keep talking about it. <laughs> so I think love we should that. move on. But I highly recommend Bernadette Great. Mayer's list of journal ideas.
1: Very cool. Yeah in yes. the show notes. Do you have a reading routine?
0: Do I have a reading routine? Reading
1: is very related to writing.
0: I'm one of those people, I know that there's like a super cool word for Like one of those words that like, there's not one in the English language, but it probably exists in Japanese or German. Yeah. And I'm one of those people who has a big stack of books next to her bed at, Most times. Right now, I have Song of Solomon. I'm like looking for it. I love We're sitting on my bedroom floor right now, guys. Right now, I have Song of Solomon by Toni Morrison. I have a collection of essays by Ellis Walker in search of our mother's gardens. Um, I also have next to me the empathy exams by um, Leslie Jameson because I want to lend that to Katie because I think it's really a good thing for something we're going to talk about after this. Cool. One on one. So I think surround yourself. With the reading you want to accomplish. Yeah. And then you can't ignore it. Mm -hmm. Also, The New Yorker. I love The New Yorker so much. I subscribe to it. And, I mean, say what you will. But to have it arrive on your doorstep weekly, I feel the pressure of it. And Mm -hmm. I also, like, that's part of my routine, actually. I didn't Mm -hmm. really mention it. But um, having a cup of coffee in the morning and trying to read at least like through one big section of it. Wow. I
1: love that. Yeah. yeah
0: it feels nice. It feels very metropolitan, cosmopolitan, yeah. what you call know, like.
1: <laughs> That's very cool. You sent me home the other night with a New Yorker in my I bag. I did. I just put it into your tote bag. And I read two articles from it because I was like, well, I got this now. I guess <laughs> I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed and it. it. I feels,
0: enjoyed it. Uh, I just love reading but print. But it felt prescriptive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the New Yorker is very prescriptive. There was the, in the show. Um, I have a tab open of a New Yorker. Article oh, amazing.
1: Right um, which article? It's old from. It's like I'm like a researching this art. This Uh essay I'm gonna have you read after this. That was actually interesting. It's called "The Power of Touch." It was written in 2015 about the power of touch. How interesting! I love
0: that, and I can't wait to read it. And I can't wait to read your essay that you're working on. Okay, yeah.
1: Fears. How do you deal with negative self-talk? I.e., my writing isn't good enough. No one will like this. I think we've covered this. Honestly, it's like it's it's really just. Yeah, they might not. But also, if you keep doing it and look at it as a devotion of like, this is cathartic for me. This feeds me. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I want to keep doing it.
0: Yeah. And I think it's not so much like you can't think about it as being writing for everybody because that's just not the case. It's more a matter of finding who your writing does speak to. Yeah. It's not so much of like, how do I appeal to the everyone or even just the people I want to appeal
1: to? Yeah, it's not gonna work that we way. Can't be everything to everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you find your writing voice? You talk
0: a lot. <laughs> you write a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. I write like I speak. I'll say that.
0: Same. My poetry is very, very much like
1: how I talk. It's very conversational. Conversational, very, very um off the cuff kind of feeling, which I love and I think is relatable. And like what what art what good art to me is is connection and vulnerability yeah you know yeah how do you get past the mental barriers that keep you from beginning a project
0: oh that is beginning a project is super duper easy for me
1: really yeah like it's follow through that's hard Mm-hmm. huh that's interesting
0: so difficult for me
1: yeah i guess i'm the same actually
0: yeah I don't know. You have an extremely successful podcast, and you have a book, and you have another podcast, and you have. But you should see how many undone ideas <laughs>
1: I have.
0: I mean, maybe it's maybe it's kind of like the in the way in which we look at rejection too. Uh, like I, I don't think we spoke about it too much about like in this segment, but more so um, in the interview we did yeah. for the Right Kit. But that one piece of advice that I received about rejection was that. The more rejections you've received, the better because that means you're putting yourself out there more.
1: Yeah, I loved when you said that. So, perhaps it's just like yeah,
0: just let yourself practice.
1: Yep. Yeah. Does everyone really have a story to tell? Absolutely.
0: <gasps> May I Wait, can you can you answer this? And yeah. I'm just going to pull something really quick.
1: Yeah, of course. Okay. I I mean, my answer to that is just 100%. I mean, I think if you are honest, and articulate with your truth. Everyone has a story to tell and, and should tell a story. While Leah's pulling this up, I'm going to ask the another question that was submitted. How do you start to get your work published when you're new to the game? That's tough. I mean, it's really a tough time to publish things, I think. I think it's a tough time to... I've sent out so many pitches and gotten crickets or rejections, but... I think a lot of it like with any field is who you know. So if you know an editor and like making connections and friends and, Hey, can you read this and send it in? Or is that, do you have anything to add to that?
0: No, I think that's exactly right. I think too, um, especially in terms of, I mean, it's really hard to recommend right now in terms of events (laughs) and -hmm. literary events and like the importance of like, you know, community in terms of writing. But when life as we sort of knew it starts again, go to things and talk yeah. to people. Fully. I can't recommend that enough. Yeah. It's just a matter of connecting on an in-person level or just sending an email and being like, I love your writing. How do you pi- how did you pitch that piece? Or what do you recommend I do? Yeah. Um, okay, so if you don't mind really quick, I'm Great. just going to read Well, something. that's our last
1: question. So let's, End oh, amazing. This. Okay,
0: perfect. <gasps> wow, this is magical. Mm-hmm.
1: It's really working out okay. well. Okay.
0: So, this is from Sister Outsider by Audre Lorde. It's a it's a collection of essays and speeches. She's an amazing um champion of intersectional femi- um feminism and um she is an incredibly inspiring queer black woman uh, lesbian poet and writer um has had an amazing contribution to literature about being a mother, about being a poet, and I just can't recommend this collection enough. But so the something I was reading, I love this. Last night that I've read this book a couple times now, but you know, it's just one of those things where you return to it, and I think that's maybe goes back to like our reading routine. Don't feel afraid to reread something that really inspires you. Mm, yeah. But this is from, I believe it's, where's the footnote? It's a paper that she delivered at the Modern Language Association's Lesbian and Literature Panel in Chicago in 1977. And it is called, The Transformation of Silence into Language and Action. And this sort of comes near the end. Do not hide behind the mockeries of separation that have been imposed upon us and which so often we accept as our own. For instance, I can't possibly teach black women's writing. Their experience is so different from mine. Yet how many years have you spent teaching Plato and Shakespeare and Proust? Or another, she's a white woman and what could she possibly have to say to me? Or, she's a lesbian, what would my husband say? Or my chairman? Or again, This woman writes of her sons and I have no children and all the other endless ways in which we rob ourselves of ourselves and of each other. We can learn to work and speak when we are afraid in the same way we have learned to work and speak when we are tired. For we have been socialized to respect fear more than our own needs for language and definition. And while we wait in silence for that final luxury of fearlessness, The weight of that silence will choke us. I think that as much as we need to encourage the listening Mm. and the learning of other voices, Mm -hmm. we need to project our own because there's no way that we can define what is and is not important. Every
1: experience is valid. I I don't know why this is making me tear (laughs) up. Thank you so much for reading that and You're sharing that. You're so welcome. That. that was really beautiful. I mean, Audrey
0: Lorde, man, she's just the coolest. She was yeah. so amazing.
1: Yeah. I really encourage people to, I, I listened to this. There's this really cool organization called Girl Trek. Do you know that? <gasps> yes. We've talked about this. Yes! This in our voice messages. And did you listen to their, their Audrey Lorde? Yeah. yeah. Just like li- learning about her there was very cool. So one other thing I just want to say before we wrap and do the deep breath together. First of all, thank you so much, Leah, for everything and being here and being part, like, I can't thank you enough and everyone should follow Leah and get obsessed with her poetry and her work and, like, everything that thank she does. You. Hire her for copywriting, like, do <laughs> all the things. Um, but I want to shout out Melissa Broder. <gasps> because we all, I also look at So Sad Today, which is her book of essays and Melissa Broder is probably one of my favorite writers. I, I met her once and she hopefully will someday do the podcast and Leah knows her well. No, no, I would not say well. (laughs) Leah knows her. (laughs) Leah is friends with her. But she's wonderful. She's so fucking cool. And when quarantine started, Leah was like, read any of my books, whatever. And one day I was brushing my teeth and just kind of like out, like looking at her, her bookshelf. And I saw this book of essays called so sad today, which I know and love. And, picked it up and was like, oh, I'm going to reread this. And looking at what Leah had starred and what she hadn't starred and I had out of this book was just this really beautiful experience for us in our remote friendship early on. And I wrote an Instagram cool. post about it. I'll I'll, t- I'll link it. But yeah, that was really cool. And it and speaks beautiful. to what you're saying about you know reread things yeah thank you so much for doing this so we inlet let it out with a deep breath letting it out together oh, you ready I love this yeah okay inhale let it out <sighs> i love you thank you i love
0: you too
1: thank you for including right on this. everybody yes <laughs> right 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 Okay, that was my episode with my dear friend, Leah. I hope you had as much fun listening as we did recording. I love you guys, check out the right kit. Remember to use the code SUMMER for a discount. Get obsessed with Leah and everything she does. Follow her on social media. If you follow me, you're sure to see her because I'm with her often as we're in a quarantine pod together. The emoji for this week's episode is the red balloon. That was what Leah chose. I don't think we've used that one before, which is surprising, and it makes me want to sing that song that I always had to sing in German class. do 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 do. Do you guys know that song? Anyway, I love you. I hope you're having a great summer. Oh, and I told you in this episode that I'm moving to LA. I accidentally moved here. So that was the big announcement. I I think I said in my Let It Out letter, if you're on that list, I said personal announcement in next week's interview. And I think people thought I was pregnant or something. But it's just that I'm moving to LA, which is not that surprising since I've been here for several months. Today's episode is brought to you by Four Sigmatic, a wellness company known for its mushrooms. They have so many products and their mushroom coffee is my favorite right now, but they have all these different powders and elixirs and I've put them in oatmeal before. I put them in yogurt. They're my favorite. I have even had the founder Tarot on the podcast years ago. Their mushroom coffee with lion's mane is really my favorite right now it helps me focus even more than just regular coffee lion's mane supports productivity and creativity which is really cool it also has chaga in it which is known as the king of mushrooms and It's one of my favorite of the functional mushrooms. This has compounds that have antioxidants in them. It's immune supporting, which is great right now. And I know that you're probably thinking, does this coffee taste like mushrooms? But I can guarantee it tastes great and you don't taste the mushrooms. And what's cool about the mushroom coffee is it doesn't leave me feeling jittery or crashing. And all of Four Sigmatic's products are organic, vegan, gluten-free every single batch is third-party tested for heavy metals and allergens and bad bacteria and yeast and molds and pesticides to ensure our safety which is really cool so you know you're getting the highest quality coffee and mushrooms possible best of all Four Sigmatic stands behind their products unconditionally with a 100% money-back guarantee love every sip or get your money back I've worked out an exclusive offer for Let It Out podcast listeners. Happy Thank You More Please podcast listeners. You can receive 15% off your Four Sigmatic order. Now is the perfect time to try Four Sigmatic's best-selling mushroom coffee Or any of their other products, just go to foursigmatic.com slash Katie and use the code Katie at checkout, K A T I E. That's foursigmatic.com slash Katie, F O U R S I G M A T I C.com slash Katie to receive 15% off your order. Thank you so much, Four Sigmatic. All right. I love you guys. I will talk to you very soon. Although we are taking a break in the podcast for a couple weeks because spiraling is returning my anxiety podcast with Serena Wolf. It's a humorous anxiety podcast about mental health and tools and strategies that help us. It's my friend Serena Wolf and I. So that will be available and keep in touch. And I will talk to you guys really soon. All right. Love you. Bye.